Welcome to the Built On Air Podcast, the variety show for all things Airtable. In each episode, we cover four different segments. It's always fresh and different and lots of fun while you get the insider info on all things Airtable. Our hosts and guests are some of the most senior experts in the Airtable community. Join us live each week on our YouTube channel every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern and join our active community at BuiltOnAir.com. Before we begin, a word from our sponsor, OnToAir Backups. OnToAir Backups provides automated Airtable backups to your cloud storage for secure and reliable data protection. Prevent data loss and set up a secure Airtable backup system with OnToAir Backups at OnToAir.com. As one customer, Sarah, said, Having automated Airtable backups has freed up hours of my time every other week and the fear of losing anything. Longtime customer David states, OnToAir backups might be the most critical piece of the puzzle to guard against unforeseeable disaster. It's easy to set up, and it just works. Join Sarah, David, and hundreds more Airtable users like you to protect your Airtable data with OnToAir backups. Sign up today with promo code BUILTONAIR for a 10% discount. Check them out at OnToAir.com. And now let's check out today's episode and see what we built on air. Welcome back to the Built On Air podcast. We are in episode five of season 17. Good to be back with you. Myself, Dan Fellers, Camille Parks, and Ali Losa back together again. And we have our special guest, Andres. Welcome, Andres. Thank you. Good to, good to have you with us. We'll learn more about Andres and his story and background later in the show. But first, let's walk through what we're going to be doing today. We always start off with our Around the Bases to keep you up to date on Airtable and all the latest news that they have going on. Then a quick shout out to our sponsor, OnToWare, OnToWare Backups. And then we'll learn about Andres and his story and what he is up to. And then he will share his base with us on how to use Airtable for an architectural firm. And then um, how to join our community. And then finally, Ali's going to walk us through using mini extensions, one letter <laughs> too long there, um, using forms and linked records. So good show for you today with our Around the Bases. I'm going to start. We did touch on this um, last week, so this isn't hot off the presses. But what was new was um, was uh, the write up from Airtable on all the new features. So we'll just kind of review the new features. Um, the first one they highlight is the app quick start, and so this is basically like a, a walkthrough um, tutorial to to create a base. And I actually used it this week and I was actually pretty impressed. Like it was, it was better than I was expecting to like help build different types of applications and, and elements. And there, there was a lot you could configure within there. So uh, I don't know, most people that are experienced usually just start from scratch, but I could see this being beneficial, especially for new users. Excellent. Yeah, and then and then the new one, the dashboard builder. Um, this one I have not played with. Has anybody played with this I one have. yet? I have. Thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> so I, you know, like I've said it before, in like sort of typical Airtable fashion, they add some features that are really nice. Uh, specifically uh, for charts, there's no drill down, which means if you click on a segment of a pie chart or a bar chart, etc. 
um, a new detail page will pop up, which will show you like all of the records that make up that segment of the chart. Very nice and very useful that you can like filter down and open up another detail page from there. Um, they, you know, you could share filters between different elements on the page pretty easily, but not so nice are the limitations on the elements that can go on the page. You can put any type of chart, but you can't put um, a grid, calendar, Kanban. Um, there's one more, I think I'm forgetting. Um, you could never put a Gantt gallery. on a interface. What was it, Allie? Gallery. Gallery, thank you. You can't do those, so you could only do a list view or a timeline. Timeline works fine to my uh, testing. I didn't notice anything missing from that, but list view, you can't do nested um, hierarchy, which is the whole point of the list right. view. So I don't understand. <laughs> like I, I understand because the Airtable is sort of pushing to use the list view more than the grid. Uh, I don't understand why the list view didn't come intact. They, <laughs> it's just, it's strange. Um, so I have a couple of projects where I want to use the the new dashboard thing because it would be really helpful, some of the features they've added, but they haven't added enough where um, I can actually use it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I don't, I don't understand why, like, especially for list view, I feel like there's, features that you can only access on like the detail panel versus the screens, like the main page. Like, I don't understand why it keeps like coming with certain features and without them in other places. Mm -hmm. uh, the other thing that really bothered me is on like the old dashboard, obviously there's a lot more flexibility and you can point things at any table, but the new one, you have to point it at one table and then the list view can only be of that table. It can't be of like, anything else that might be linked to that table or i don't know it's not very flexible but there are other things that i do like yeah so it, it inherits the new detail pages um methodology of using uh groups so yeah. you know each group has its own data source so group a will always be from this particular table and group b will always be from this particular table but to Ali's point specifically for list view oftentimes you'll have the greater source be your projects and then the nested list view its source would be any tasks linked to that project and you can't do that yeah. strange exactly hmm. very odd yeah. and yeah there's but I mean steps in the right direction like the chart thing that Camille mentioned is huge. That's been something that people have been wanting for a really long time and something that they kind of did have in the chart extension where you could click on a part mm -hmm. of the chart and it would pop open with all the records that go towards that data point. So that's that's huge, really excited about that. Yeah, it's a running theme of Airtable creating a feature somewhere and then migrating that feature somewhere else, but not migrating all of that feature, just some of it just enough, a little taste of the feature to its new home. And then I think Interface Designer has been out for three years and now you can click on charts, even though it was originally available in the chart extension. Yeah. Again, odd. <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Very good. That one dashboard builder is new. All right, conditional logic on record detail and form layouts. 
I have only a, a minor comment that I wish it would do a particular thing. It's very useful. It works the way that you would expect. You filter just like you would a view, um, and it hides that particular group. Airtable has been very careful to mention you should not use it as a security feature because it is possible if you dig around in the page to access that data even though it's hidden. So be wary of that. But if you just want to uh, declutter a page so it doesn't have so much stuff on it, depending on who's looking at it, that's great. Um, I wish you would, could have uh, a filter that is not related to the fields on the page and more related to who is logged in. So, you know, is your name Camille? Okay, you get this particular group visible to you. So not related to is Camille assigned to this project? What if I'm assigned to every project? You know what I mean? Just look at who's logged in, which Airtable, of course, has access to as information. It's not a feature yet, but I can see it being a possible feature to add. Yeah. Absolutely. Like if you're if you're like a super admin or something right. that needs to be able to approve all the projects or whatever. Exactly. Um, yeah, that would be huge. And, and another thing to mention is if you are using mobile interfaces, something one of the few that actually work on a phone, um, that if you're using the conditional logic, it will not work. Um, and I believe it just doesn't show anything or it does. I can't remember which one. I believe it does not show yeah. uh, the section no matter what. Yep, exactly. So if you have the conditional logic set up and someone's looking at it on a phone, they're, they're never going to see that section, even if the conditions you've set up are true. Mm. Uh, which is interesting. That's frustrating. Yeah. I think a lot of this whole thread I can summarize with, that's nice, but strange. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully it's just the foundation and they're going to keep, keep building and improving on these. <clears throat> Absolutely. I'm excited with the changes they've made so far for the most part. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. yeah, this is, um, I think the last few bulk updates from Airtable have been like mixed bags in terms of like, this is a great idea and this is a terrible idea. This has been, for the most part, largely positive. Like I, there's no ire in what I say. It's just, you know, there could be improvements to what I've seen. Overall, you know, it, yeah. it's a decent batch. Yeah, someone we know said, would call it half-baked. Right. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So that's on conditional logic. And then we've got interface form validation. So the ability, character limits, value ranges. Uh, we did talk about this a week or two ago. Mm -hmm. Any thoughts on these? It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it's useful for lots of people. Yeah. So very cool. Yep. So that's good. Probably again, more more use cases needed. And then, um, and then a few more manually order records and interfaces, so you can actually drag and drop manually, uh, move tables in base to drop down, or in other words, hide Five. tables. <laughs> I think it's funny how they word it that way. I, I think that that's good. They don't want you to think that like nobody will see it if you hide mm -hmm. it. Um, but they are moving it to a drop-down. And then manage and delete interface layouts. That's a nice one I know people are asking for. 
My various Airtable accounts still don't have the second and third of those bullet points visible. Um, I don't know what the rollout is like for all of these features. I got everything that had screenshots, but uh, these uh, three bulleted items I still don't see in my accounts yet. Yeah. And then um, a sneak peek for what's coming up with interfaces. We've got uh, interface for Android. That's nice. And then interface CSV export. So is that just uh, the ability to export the data or the interface? Probably the data. I would yeah. imagine so. Yeah, I'd imagine like in the three little dots on the list view, you could have export CSV as an option. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. And then pivot tables. I thought that was going to be coming. They 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 hinted at that 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 was going to be part of this release, but. So I think that's coming soon. That'll be huge. It might have got pushed out a little bit, yeah. Yeah. It's one of the one things that I have been like begging for because I, I have several projects where it required an interface and having to make your own pivot table in an interface is an arduous and terrible experience. I wouldn't wish on many. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then here's one that's kind of vague, enhanced project management capabilities. Not sure what that entails. That could be anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. And then they do have some some enterprise features. So syncing, they're adding more uh, data points to, to pull data in. So syncing with Workday or Snowflake, that's big on the enterprise side. And then custom data retention capabilities. So you can you can define how long uh, data feel or data stays active. Um, so I know that's a big one for, for enterprise as well. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, and that's it. And then there's comments, um, feedback. And then if you go to the, the what's new, um, there's actually a few others on here, at least one that I saw. Move tables, new dashboard builder, snowflake, update. Yeah. So there's one that they didn't mention right here consistent default values. I thought this was interesting. Have you looked at this one? I saw it noted. I realized I had noticed that sometimes default values get applied um, when you create a new record and sometimes they don't. And I never did any sort of testing that identified which was the case where it wouldn't do it. Like automations seems to always do it. And if you just create a new record from within Airtable, it seemed to do it. But I think it was the API piece that was like kind of up in the air, whether or not it would apply whatever you've said is the default for that field. So it's nice that it's now universal and more explicit. If you don't want the uh, default value, then explicitly say this value should be null or empty or some other value. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that's good. It, uh, even CSV import, like if you're importing data from a CSV, I don't, it sounds like that one wasn't, or if you're using the API. So there's so many ways you can get data into Airtable. We're trying to make it consistent. So I think that that's really big. Absolutely. But it looks like you have to toggle it. So you have to, um, I'm not sure where, maybe in the account settings you have to, or somewhere in the base. Oh, here it is. 
Oh, at the at the field level. So you have to do it for every field to apply that, that the default for all actions. And it's if not they true. were kind, it's possible to make a script that will run through all of your um, fields, anything that has a default, and turn on that toggle one by one. I don't know if that's actually available, but if it's not, either myself or Kavan will probably write a script that does it. Yeah, if they expose that to the to the script, I wonder if if uh, I don't recall them updating the the meta API to show that that this is available in the you know, field settings options, but it might be. Um, so yeah, that would be interesting. Mm -hmm. Be nice. All right, so that kind of summarizes all the all the new stuff, and we'll see. I think there are more coming soon, and hopefully improvements to each of these to improve and enhance. There was one comment um, from the Built On Air community. So conditional record linking still coming, or is this conditional group hiding what they meant? And Russell responds, definitely coming, just no timeline. Um, their hint was just that they were laying the groundwork and so this is one uh, I won't out anybody, but I think it is out in the wild of conditional record linking. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's one that that hopefully is coming soon. <clears throat> yeah, the, the context for it, I believe, was there's a thread on the Airtable community forums where I think Airtable released a particular feature and someone had feedback about it. Um, and then an Airtable employee clarified that this change was necessary for reasons X, Y, and Z, and it lays the groundwork for additional features, parenthetical, such as conditional record linking. So it was specifically mentioned by someone who works at Airtable on Airtable's community forum in relation to some other feature set. I don't think these particular features, but like it's, you know, we didn't make it up. Yeah, yeah. No, and there is, there what, well, yeah, there is, uh, Think it, I think it is out in the wild in some use cases, so hopefully coming soon. <clears throat> All right, moving on, a couple from um, Twitter. Uh, X, this was one I'm always interested learning more about AI and how, in particular, how Airtable is using AI. So if that's of interest to you, um, I found this interview with the product lead for AI at Airtable, Chelsea. Um, there's an interview and I believe if you want the full um, episode, you can check it out there on YouTube or Spotify. Um, so yeah, reimagining workflows with AI at Airtable with Chelsea. So I think that, that could be interesting. And then another one, this is one um, that kind of caught my interest. This is a term I know I've, I've heard of before, a chief automation officer. And so this, this podcast talks about kind of the need for a chief automation officer. And so this is kind of more a philosophical question of like, will this become a title that every company has as far as like a, a C-level executive that works on automating processes within business units? Just wonder if you have thoughts on the future of automation experts yeah, I think it sh 
I mean, I could see that absolutely happening. And as the further we go into this like new world in tech, I guess, like, I mean, I see it often. It's awesome that like every person could just like, without even a technical background could pick up Zapier usually or something like that and say, all right, I'm going to set up my automation. And that's exactly how I got started in this realm, which is awesome. But I think when everybody has access to it, things can start to get really hairy really quickly. And so I think it's kind of nice to have somebody at the top that's like, okay, this is worth automating. This is not. We need to have it, everything in check. Um, yeah, I could absolutely see this being the future for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely something we think about. I've spoken to other experts as far as like, you know, the agency that I run, we kind of view ourselves as, you know, a, a, a part-time automation team that, that can be an extension to the companies that we're engaged with. And so I think it will be become more and more, you know, I don't know if they're ever, you know, chief automation officer, but definitely yeah, an automation team that, that works with all the business units to look for efficiencies. Absolutely. So it's interesting. So I'm always curious, yeah, see people talk about it in the wild if it starts to pick up traction. Certainly. All right, that rounds up. That concludes our round the bases and what's going on in, in Airtable, all the communities and latest news and updates. So keep you up to date there. Let's move on to OntoAir. OntoAir is a backup solution to help provide um, security and, and uh, relief to make sure that your data is backed up outside of Airtable. So if your data is important to you, best practice is to make sure you have a duplicate copy of it outside of the source base, source uh, location. Um, and so we help back it up to your Google Drive, your Box or your Dropbox location. Check us out at ontoair.com. One thing I was going to talk about last week, the we talked about this on the show last week of the uh, API changes, mm -hmm. and they did go live on um, Thursday in the afternoon. And I mentioned on the show, we still have customers that have not upgraded from the old API keys to OAuth. So if you're a customer of Ontoair Backups, we've been trying to reach out to everybody via email and, and um, in-app and um, there's still a few that have not transitioned. We had to unfortunately turn off their backups and let them know that they can't, they're, they're not working until they upgrade. So if that's one of you and you're listening to the show, log into Ontoware and convert to OWASP so we can get your backups up and running again. And there wasn't uh, as much backlash on that as I thought there would be because we saw it, it I can't remember, like around two o'clock my time in the afternoon, we just we started getting the airs coming in that, that the connection was no longer valid. And uh, I, I had some Zapiers that, that somehow didn't get converted, some Zaps, and so I started getting airs. But I didn't see a meltdown anywhere, did you? Luckily, no. I'm kind of almost still waiting for it to happen but i haven't even gotten any panicked emails yet so yeah we'll see i think what it's going to be because they gave such a lead time for this particular uh depreciation that the majority of constantly running zaps and make scenarios etc have probably been dealt with uh if people are on top of their systems but it's the ones that are like 
on March 1st, remind me to do my taxes. Those are the ones that probably slipped through the cracks. And so on March 2nd, we're probably going to see some, you know, more posts like what happened to this thing? It was working perfectly fine. And then uh, we're going to discover that it was still using an API key rather than a personal access token or an OAuth connection. Yep. Yep. For sure. So yeah, make sure you do that. So if things aren't working right, that might be uh, that might be the reason why. <clears throat> All right, let's learn about Andres and his background. Camille's gonna ask some questions here. Spotlight him. Get you in there. Well, hello. Hi, Camille. How are you? Thank you all for having me. But of course. Um, so why don't we start off with the my favorite question? How'd you come across Airtable? Uh, it's been a it's been a long long um, journey. Let's say I actually I, I started with Smartsheet, and then I I guess one thing led to the, to another, and I found Airtable in the way I started implementing it many years ago, and I guess I didn't really learn it very well, and I left it on the side for a while, and then uh, I realized it could it could really help a bunch of the processes that we were struggling with and started started really playing with it and, and seeing what could be done and, and and i was just scratching the surface there's there's way too much even the conversation you guys are having is is quite sophisticated for the level of air table that i can manage all you've got to do is be on a podcast for four <laughs> to five years that consistently <laughs> talks about exactly one product and you'll be right there with us so zooming out a little bit um, and referencing that X post, did you come across Smartsheet or Airtable as whatever the organization at the time was, a chief automation officer or in a role of, I'm specifically here to make things more efficient? Or were you going about your, your day-to-day and realized whatever we're currently doing could probably be a bit better if I had another tool at my disposal? So I, I guess it's the same. So first, I, I started my own office about almost 10 years ago. And when I did, it was a moment in which there were a bunch of applications like Asana coming up. Dropbox were starting to go mainstream. At least that's when I learned it. So I, I figured I would try to implement these more efficient systems into my new office in a way that would work. I run into Smartsheet and it had, it had some really neat features that I hadn't seen in an Excel spreadsheet. So it was about trying to centralize the information and be able to manipulate it in a way in which if I make a revision somewhere, it makes a revision everywhere else. And that's, I, I really did a deep dive into Google Sheets and, and I hit a wall at some point and that's that's when I decided, as, as the more I, I, I went into Google Sheets, the more I realized that Airtable might be able to help me so that's that's how it, it came up to um, came up to me. So, can we talk a little bit specifically about in your industry in your office? What was one either task or workflow that you were probably doing in Excel that led you to look at things like Asana, then Smartsheet, then eventually to Airtable? That was just you just knew there was something off about it. 
Oh, there's there's so many. Uh, I'm sure they're the, the, the first one is is uh, the current set of drawings. Mm-hmm. So if you have a list of draw, we used to have we used to keep a list of drawings in Excel that had like this could be thousands of drawings for a large project um, that had to be maintained, and in parallel we would have to file the, the, the or save the actual files in a folder that would mimic the Excel structure. It was just there was a, a couple of full-time persons doing that. Um, so just having the ability to add an attachment to a record, it's it's a huge uh, time saver. But besides that, like I've been running the finances for my business and Airtable for more than four years now. Uh, so cash flow, prediction of cash flow, that's that's another huge one. And and doing that, I, I felt to do it in Smartsheet and, and in Excel is really tough. And that table, it makes it really easy. So, and there's there's a lot. There's proposal planning. There's project budgeting. There's staff allocation. There's there's all kinds of, um, let's say, unglamorous things about architecture and the business operations that are made much easier by using the right system, I guess. Um, in a previous life, I was an urban planner and I worked at an architecture firm. And there are definitely things where. Uh, thinking back on my own experience, I was like, I feel like we need a database for this and a single or several unconnected spreadsheets probably isn't the way to go. Yes, it, it just it just opens up for uh, errors and mistakes and discrepancies. Like we also do interior design. We keep it on mm-hmm. everything. So there, there's a bunch of uses that we have. For this. So uh, would you say that you see a lot of the value in being able to define something once in Airtable and have that information propagate to your other tables, whereas in something like Excel, you really have to like do a lot of duplication and checking multiple different places? Oh, without a doubt. And there's no, there's very little formulas. Most of the formulas are just formatting formulas because the data takes care of the sums and the subtractions and the data takes care of the math. Um, but then is the relationship between that data uh, that is really powerful that it cannot happen in the same way in, in Excel or Google Sheets. That's a really interesting way to put it that the data takes care of the math. Um, I haven't really thought about it in that way before. Uh, typically a lot of my projects don't involve a whole lot of numbers necessarily. I work more with text-based databases, but um, as much as I like writing formulas in Airtable, it would be great if we could use fewer. Right. No, actually the the only, or I mean, it's not a perfect system. And and some of the things that I found a little challenging is date formulas. They Mm -hmm. They can be really difficult sometimes. But yeah. there's just a few, so I have to spend a little bit of time to just kind of figure it out and then have it uh, have it being reviewed. But uh, but um, but besides that, it, it's it's pretty it's pretty easy to pick up and mm. and customize. Sure. So if if you're leading the practice of your office and you're also uh, kind of the one that's trying out some of these other tools to make some of your processes a little bit more efficient. What is that kind of balance like? Because I know as someone who's not in charge of anything, uh, when I get a new tool, I'm, I'm very curious. I, I you know, spend an awful lot of time 
doing some exploration that has nothing really to do with the problem I was trying to solve? Did you find yourself kind of falling down rabbit holes when you were trying out Smartsheet slash Airtable, or were you able to just sort of barrel ahead? No, I, I, I tried so many applications, and, and it's frustrating because I guess in my industry, all architects have a process, and there's usually a very similar process, although everyone is a little bit different. Mm-hmm. And there's a lack of tools out there that can help you. There's a, there's a couple that came up in the last couple of years that are pretty good, but uh, there's been a lack of tools for managing a practice. Uh, and the ones that are uh, the ones that I didn't know of, they were either not suited for architects or they were incredibly complicated. They had like thirty day training and it was super expensive. I tried it and I quit because mm-hmm. I didn't have time for this. I didn't have time to learn a new system and adopt it and then and then if i'm gonna send an invoice like where, where the hell is this invoice and how do i edit it and then you end up doing everything manually to just get it out the door and and it's a it's it's tough so yeah i went through a lot of rabbit holes <laughs> and i i distinctly remember looking at not necessarily tools that we had used in uh, the firm i was at but like trying to research is there a good project management tool designed for architects or engineers or, you know, urban planners? And from my research that I remembered, not really. It's, it's, there's a lot of specificity in the types of work, construction as well. There's more for construction, I think, but it, there's a lot of very particular things that are unique to the industry. And it's one of those things where you either get this, like gargantuan piece of software that does it all, but is it's like looking at the matrix. <laughs> There's a thousand yes. things going by on the screen and it's it's not as intuitive as you'd like, or you make it yourself in, you know, a tool that you can get your hands on really. That that's that's true. And the ones that are out there, they're more geared towards uh, more towards financial management. Uh, and that's of course important. And as I was saying, like predicting cash flow, it's a, it's a huge thing. Um, but uh, they sort of stop there. You you can get do the invoices and you can track the project performance and, and that kind of stuff. Like Harvest is an example. This is a great software for invoicing. But once you start to get into project management, specifically for architects, is is you still have to jump to other type of software to complement the 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 features that it doesn't have, right? Right. Um, so uh, with Airtable, it's, I was able to tailor it to most everything that I need, to be honest. It's, it's mm. We use our modeling software, which is Archicad, and then we use Airtable. And those are the two pillars where the office works. And I believe you have an example for us and how you've used Airtable in your practice. Yeah, I can share screen. Yep. If you want to share yeah. your screen. Yeah, this is, this is the first time I share this publicly. Uh, although Ali has seen some of it a couple of years ago. Uh, let me let me share the screen here. Yeah. Um, let me know when you see it. There we go. Okay. So a couple of years ago, I built a similar system. Actually, Ali helped me write some scripts, scripts because I don't know any scripting, uh, and it was tough because when I had to modify it, I just I just couldn't do it. 
Um, so I decided to rebuild it, but only using automations and just data relationships. So it's very simple. There's a lot of automations, but it's you could overwrite it easily if you needed to. Um, so there's there's a couple of things I want to focus on one aspect in particular. So uh, this is actually uh, dummy data, but there's some truth to it. I kind of duplicated my my real base and changed some of the stuff. So uh, there's two parts to this. Uh, one is the the interface for the team, so we can track the schedule for projects, right? Um, and the data that's associated with all the projects for, for the team, like the project address with the timeline and, and all the stuff, the faces for the project, um, uh, milestones for every project. So there's there's uh, there's some information that's public, but uh, what I want to show there's a couple of things I want to show you. This is this is actually related to your question about use cases. Uh, so in this one, and this is real data, actually. So if I click on the, 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 the names of the projects are not real, of course, but uh, if I click on one of these, it's going to show me all the data that's associated with this project. And if I can look in who sent the data, if I look for the land survey, right, it's right here. So this has been very helpful, not only for us as a team, but also to share with our clients uh, when we need to... Uh, Share the information that's uh, been filed for every project. So this is this is a very powerful feature, and, and this is what started it all. Uh, but the other part that I want to show you is the way to create the projects, uh, because this is what what's taken most of the time. So inside the base, I think I, I was indexing this recently because it, it was just getting out of control, and I think I have more than five hundred uh, fields across. 25 tables or something. The, the idea is that I have some project templates that have pre-assigned uh, values. So when I, when, I, when I create a project, I can assign one of these templates and it's just gonna essentially generate uh, the project work plan live. So let me, is it okay if I do a demo here? Uh, it's gonna take like a couple yes. minutes. It runs all the, all the automations. Um, so I'll just add a project here, let's see. And I'll it it automatically gets a starting date assigned, but I I can I can change that of course, and then I change a fee. So let's say this is just for this is ninety nine thousand. Let's say that's the fee for this for this project. So I add it to the template, and then once it adds to the template, the fees that are pre-assigned to each one of these milestones are gonna get populated. There you go. It's a little bit slower when we're online, by the way. <laughs> and then I can, I have different templates here. So I can go to permit only. And I can go to feasibility and concept only. But let, let's do, let's do, let's do this permit, which is uh, six milestones. Um, so once I, when I, once I get here, I can choose the milestones that I want to work with. And if I need to change the duration of each milestone, I can do it here. And uh, if everything looks good, I just I just hit create. This is a you were talking about dynamic filtering, right? So mm -hmm. this yeah. one is a dynamic filter that I kind of made up. Uh, it carries through all the tables, so it it allows me to filter just that project. 
Um, so when I when I go here, I'm gonna I'm gonna create this. So you see, there's no data for this yet. And uh, when we create, uh, these are the overall items that need to be created. So it should start in a in a moment to generate this. I hope it doesn't make me look bad now that we're live. There it goes. <laughs> so there we go. I have an auditing uh, table here that shows me like all the things that I need to create. I gotta create roles, faces, and it, they have to be in this order too. Faces, milestones, deliverables, staff, and invoices. So it, it kind of goes through each one. And when that one is done, it goes to the next one. It needs to be sequential because otherwise the automation kind of goes crazy. Um, so if I go here, you'll see it's now creating all this stuff. It's creating deliverables. So here I have three phases. The, so the one, one thing about this, and I think that I guess that can translate to all the industries, I guess, is, uh, well, maybe not. I don't know. But uh, one thing is architecture, architects and architecture has a standard process that is um, very well documented for public projects and for commercial projects and, and, and for people that are very sophisticated about how they talk about the project. And, and you have faces like schematic design, design development, construction documents, and there's milestones within those faces like 50% design development. But when I look at that, uh, th those faces do not really um, relate to what the market conditions are for smaller projects. So when you talk to an owner, or a small developer, 50% design development doesn't really mean much. So part of it has been arranging the phases if they're needed, but the project is based on, on the milestones, which are a lot more user-friendly and they're a lot more manageable. So I create milestones, I assign uh, a percentage of the fee. So if this is the first milestone, this is usually a down payment. Um, and if I change this, the, the fee changes, and I have I have ways to override this, but it gives me the start, the, the, the moment when it ends, the duration of each milestone. Uh, I can say here, I can see here that this is gonna last 25 weeks. Uh, if I need to break it into stages, I can. Usually sometimes there's some people that wanna do one phase only and then another one. So this this is helpful for that. And then uh, I also have a list of deliverables that are associated with each milestone. Um, and I can adjust the cost of those deliverables between, based on a, on a relative complexity scale that we created here. So if you have a design fee for a given deliverable, like in this case, uh, 9900, I can say, okay, this the, the, I, I, I getting the survey from the owner is just going to take me a phone call or an email and some coordination with the consultant is not going to be the same as doing a whole feasibility. So I, I could change this uh, complexity of each items and, and they would vary the fee for each deliverable, but the design fee of that phase remains the same. So there's, there's some structure that is fixed and allows me to adjust depending on on, on each project. And, and the same goes with the staffing and the utilization. Um, but so this is based on this, this kind of outlines the project roadmap for uh, a 
client. And this is actually what goes into my proposals. This is what I talk mm -hmm. to my clients when I go into a proposal. We go through each one of these deliverables and we explain how it works and how time it takes and when we're going to be done with it because there's already a schedule associated with this. Uh, but also one of the interesting parts, and I don't know why this automation is not working, so I have to override it manually, is because each of these deliverables has a date, um, I can create a projected billing schedule. Mm -hmm. So I can tell them, hey, these are going to be the payments that you're going to make based, based on our completion of these items. If, if one of these items is not completed, then our billing is going to change. But this allows me to map my income months in advance with the understanding that we're going to stay on schedule, you know. Um, and there's, again, there's ways to override this if I need to make manual input for these invoices or if our client wants a fixed fee, we can do that. But ideally is we are able to track the amount of money that is being spent on a given task and when that and we can anticipate when that's going to be built for. So this is the gist of it. Uh, it's a lot of a lot to digest, I'm sure, but uh, feel free to ask me questions. Mm -hmm. This looks awesome. I have yeah. a question. So you'd said I and I remember when we worked on those scripts together to uh, like generate all the tasks. Mm -hmm. Did you change those to be run in like the native like looping feature, the repeating groups that Airtable has now? Is that how you're generating all these? Uh, it's not a loop. I have a looping feature for one of them, but no, it's not. Um, I have a, maybe let me see if I can show you this, but the, the base, the, the back end is a little messy right now. Um, the back end is always messy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let me see. Uh, So let me go to one of the templates here. So I got a, and th this kind of goes with other stuff too. Uh, it goes with the financial template and it goes, I am tied in with the tools. So I have site analysis and I have um, uh, drawing drawings and I have uh, interior design and some other stuff, but this one is just for creating the project. So. So if I bring a project here, um, say this one, although this is already created, but uh, let me see. Well, let, let's just use for for for, uh, for reference. So if I create this one, mm -hmm. if I click on this one, if I go to each one of the templates, is gonna bring in that that checkbox. Let me see. It's gonna bring in that, oh, where is this? Let me see if I have one that's better. Sorry. No, no. Uh, oh, there's a lot of stuff here. <laughs> <laughs> so let me see. Actually, let me, let me, let me show you the automation. Great. Um, when I initiate the project mm -hmm. and I create this and there's these conditions going on for each one of those tables, what this does is uh, that same checkbox is, is brought into each one of those tables as a lookup. Okay. 
And it creates automation that hits on this ones. And those are the ones that trigger the automation. So that's that's why I have that um, that audit, mm -hmm. right? So when I hit this, these ones are going to all turn on. Mm -hmm. And then this one is going to run. And when it hits zero, this one is going to run and it hits zero. And then this one is going to run and, and so on and so forth. This is showing minus 11 because there, this project already exists. Mm -hmm. um, but it just... To answer your question, Ali, sorry, I went like on a tangent. No. It doesn't do the looping thing because the, the checkbox is look is, is a lookup. It, it refers to every single uh, record. So every record that gets that checkbox gets created that automation. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So it, it, it was it was a little tough to figure out how to do it because the automation, if, if they're all running simultaneously, you get uh, you get really um, you get gaps for right. so I had to uh, sort it out to do it sequentially. Sequentially, let me see Excellent. if I can um, if I can show you. Because let me see, I should be able to. Okay, let, let me look for it. Uh, create. There it is. Ah. So so that's that's the. Where is that? Here it is. So that's a checkbox that comes from the project template. So when that gets checked, this triggers the automation for that record, and it duplicate, duplicates it essentially in the deliverables uh, template. So it's not an exact uh, duplication because there's some other calculations that happen in the in the live uh, in the live uh, sheet. Mm -hmm. But it does carry each one of those items and paste it here, which is the, that's the that's the extent of my automation skills. Copy and paste. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is awesome. Very very cool. <clears throat> oh, Dan, you're muted. Yeah, I was coughing. Oh. Yeah, this is awesome, Andres. Really appreciate you showing this with us. Um, it's just amazing to think like how custom, like there was a lot going on there yeah. and what an off the shelf software would have to look like to accomplish what you've built over the years. It's, it's amazing. And no, it's, you're able to put your own templates and not use predefined templates of what a architecture project would look like. Mm -hmm. Right. That's, that's, that's correct. And uh, like, we even have timesheets here and they, they tie back to deliverables and they tie back to invoices. So, if I have, let me go back to the invoices here. Let's see if those created. Uh, if um, so, there they are. The invoices that allow me to to um, to predict cash flow. But when when I go to the invoices and the billing, uh, I can, depending on the type of billing that we have for the milestone, is gonna bill for percent complete or is going to bill for hourly uh, and time spent um, or is going to be a custom invoice that I that I can do. So it allows me to track all this stuff. And it also, because I'm also keeping track of time, I can also determine what the performance of the project is. Mm -hmm. And yeah. this is how the 
financial work. So I can also group these invoices based on the invoice date. And, and I guess one thing that is important here is like, there's two dates for accounting in my office, the 10th and the 25th. And that's like sacred. So on the 10th and the 25th, we invoice certain projects and we also pay our expenses. Uh, so I can group by this by these dates and I can actually see how much is going to be invoiced in this date and how much is going to be invoiced in this date and how much is going to be invoiced in this date. So uh, it's not only at a project level where we see like the invoices for that given project, but also on a date level. Excellent. Awesome. So, yeah, there's there's a lot to <laughs> you can go really deep into this. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right, very good. We're going to move on, Andres, but thank you for, for showcasing that. So any architects out there that uh, that are impressed um, can watch this show and learn how to do it yourself. <clears throat> Appreciate it. Quick shout out. If you want to join the community of amazing builders of Airtable, join us at builtonair.com slash join. That will get you into our Slack community of thousands of Airtable users talking about Airtable every day and getting help and helping others. So join us, we'd love to have you in. Also subscribe to our YouTube channel and podcasts and find us. Finally, we're gonna end with Ali and one of the OGs of Airtable mini extensions. <laughs> Excellent. All right, so this is just a quick demo that I'm doing inspired by a project I worked with a client on recently. Um, pretty universal use case, um, just working with uh, employees and entering time for the week. Um, so I've got a somewhat simple structure here. I've got a timesheet table, which is where employees would actually be entering their time. Um, those are linked up to a table called employee weeks. And I put the three of us in here, uh, Ali, Camille, and Dan, and each one of us has um, you know, a record here, which is the intersection of the week and the employee. Um, and then I've got, of course, just weeks and employees. Um, pretty simple structure here. But let's say I wanna create a form that I can send out to each employee and have them enter in their time for each day um, of the week. Um, Mini Extensions has a really cool feature in the new version of Mini Extensions where you can actually have those linked records be displayed in a form in a number of ways. And I'm just going to quickly demo how that works. Um, so in Mini Extensions, I'm going to go create a form. And I'm pointing it at that timesheet base. And here... I'm sorry, I don't want it at the timesheet table. I just accidentally, I messed that up already. Um, I'm in the timesheet base here already. And I wanna create a form not on the timesheet table. I actually wanna point this at the employee weeks table um, so that while I'm editing this employee week record, I'm able to edit all the linked records that are tied to it at the same time. I don't want to send them seven different forms. You could if you wanted them to fill it out every day, of course, but let's say we're sending one form per week where they're editing their hours at, um, in bulk. 
So I don't need all this fancy stuff here. I am going to just remove, I guess we could, yeah, remove the name. I don't need the weeks or the employees or the week start or the weekend. I could have that if I really wanted to. Um, but let's just pay attention to just this timesheet field here. So automatically, because it's a linked record field, Mini Extensions is putting this little like sub form underneath it. Um, and if I click on that, I can now edit the like form within the form, if that makes sense. Um, in here, I don't need really any of these fields. I just want the date and the hours worked. Um, and I want to make the date read only. That's important so that nobody's messing with the actual dates. Not that they would, but they accidentally could. That's for sure. Um, and then if I hit done, let's just see what this looks like on its own. And then I'll show you how you can expand on it to make it a lot nicer. Um, so when I go to open form here, I'm going to go to edit records instead of create because I want, I already have these records existing in my base. I don't want people creating them when they submit. I want to actually send them a link to the existing employee week record. So mini extensions will give me this formula here that I can copy and go to my employee weeks table and create a formula field and just paste that in there. This is getting worse, this suggest password thing. I've, I'm a little nervous about it. I don't know if anyone else is having issues. I'm pretty sure yes. it it's terrible. The other day, I, or actually just this morning, I was typing and it put my password in here. I was like, that better not happen while I'm live. Like yeah. that'll be, so <laughs> I'm just gonna say, mini extensions timesheet will create that field. No, that is not a password, Google Chrome. Um, <laughs> it's crazy. So now when I open that up, by default, it's going to show me all of these records, right? In like a card view, card layout. Um, and if I click on them, I can actually edit them and put in the hours worked here and hit submit. A couple things I do want to change. I don't want them to be able to create a new one or link things to it. So we can go into mini extensions. And if I click on the field for timesheets and go to record finder options, um, let me see. They, I feel like they hide this all the time. Where is it? You should be able to. Do you make it read only? Is that what you do? No, because then you can't edit the linked records, yeah. I think. I swear, I oh, hide find. It's literally right in front of me. Hide record finder button. That's what I want. Um, and then that should save automatically. So now if I refresh this, now I have just create new, and I don't want them to be able to do that either. So we can go to create and expand records and toggle that off. But I do want them to be able to edit them. So that should save again. And now I've got just the cards that I can click on and edit, but it gets better. I can go back into here and go to this layout option. And let's say I don't want it to be that list card view. I want it to be a grid. Um, and then you can 
say I want it to use the same fields from the expanding form, which I do in this case, but you could select <laughs> custom fields that you want displayed. Um, and then I'm gonna say done. And that again should save automatically. Now it'll display it as a grid. And I could toggle this if I had more time, you know, I'd make this look a lot prettier. Um, but now I can say, you know, edit this. It'll still open this little pop-up, which I don't love. I kind of wish you could do it in line, but still this gets the job done very nicely. Um, there's also ways that you can um, set this up so that this hours worked will update. I think you need to click a button to have it update to show the actual total here. Um, but I've found this is a really nice way to allow somebody to edit a subset of linked records really quickly. Um, and there's a lot of different layout options that you can play with. So when they then submit, I haven't really done anything. Obviously we just set up this form, but you could you know, have this go to a new page, um, close the form, make it so that they can no longer edit it because you don't want somebody backfilling the hours they worked last week after they've already submitted it. So that's more fancy stuff you'd need to get into. But now you can see I've filled out those linked records and that's totaling up to the 23 hours that I've entered. Um, so really cool stuff from mini extensions. Um, there's a lot of stuff that is available in the new version that was not available in the old version that I'm really enjoying for sure. So, when did yeah. the new version come out? Oh gosh, it was probably like a year ago now. A year ago, okay. Um, but I now there's a new new version. <clears throat> no, it's it's been around for a while, but there's also some stuff that the old version does that the new doesn't. So I had kind of been bouncing back and forth between them. But now that the API key deprecation is final, you can no longer add the old extensions. You can only edit them. They still work as mm -hmm. long as you switch them over to the personal access tokens. But um, but yeah, you can't really, they're deprecating, mm -hmm. sunsetting those old forms. Interesting. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you for sharing that. Miniextensions.com, that will find that you can sign up for that so that concludes today's episode glad you could join us and we hope to see you next week take care everyone thank you thank you for joining today's episode we hope you enjoyed it be sure to check out our sponsor, OntoAir Backups, automated backups for Airtable. We'll see you next time on the Built on Air podcast.